Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Woodstock, Georgia, this is Woodstock Proud, spotlighting the individuals, businesses, and organizations that make Woodstock one of the premier destinations in Metro Atlanta to live, work, and play. Now, here's your host. Hello and welcome back once again to Woodstock Proud. I'm Jim Bulger. And if you haven't joined us before, Woodstock Proud is kind of a new feature here on Business Radio X, where we spend a few minutes spotlighting and celebrating the individuals, the businesses, the organizations that are making a difference in the community of Woodstock. Now, I got to tell you, when we first envisioned the show, Woodstock Proud, I knew that my guest today was one of the people we had to talk to. Mike Levy is the owner and founder of Mad Life Stage and Studios on Main Street in downtown Woodstock. And you really can't talk about the energy or the excitement or the attraction that Woodstock has become without talking about Mad Life. So, Mike, thank you so much for being here. That was a huge introduction. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> well, <laughs> hope we can live up to it. You deserve it. I mean, walking down Main Street in Woodstock. And hearing the music coming out of Mad Life and some of the other venues in town is just so exciting. And, you know, you're coming up on an anniversary here this summer, right? Yeah, June 3rd will be our uh, completion of our fifth year. So we'll be starting our sixth year. Five years for a music venue. It's a good benchmark. Well, and somehow you've been such a, a main part of the downtown scene. It almost seems like you've been there longer than five years. Uh, you know, it's interesting. The first year... Seemed like it was a lot more than one year. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> but ever since then, the times really moved fast. Um, our building certainly shows somewhere in tear. We've had, I guess, about 400,000 people come through our building now over those five years between restaurant and uh, what happens in the music venue. But there's something that warms up, especially a music venue. You want to see that it's got some age and feel that it's got some age and hear the echoes that are coming off the walls. Absolutely. And uh, we, we built our building on a budget. And one of our themes was, well, when you're on a budget, the good news is music venues don't need to look fancy. They just need to feel have the right warm feel. So we tried to really build it as if the building had existed for a long time. The stairs and the bars are all made from an oak tree that we had to take down. That was on the lot. Oh, wow. So that gave us some character right from the start. But um, yeah, getting back to your question... The five years looking back now, it's been an amazing five years, really great journey, and uh, it went faster than I would have expected it did. Well, let's look back at the the origins. Let's talk about the, you know, the original concept. I mean, obviously, creating a music venue outside the perimeter was pretty innovative. And so talk about the concept and how you, you chose Woodstock. So I'm not sure innovation would apply to my line of thinking back then. I've always loved live music. We lived in Woodstock. We live in Woodstock. Well, we're up in Canton now, but we consider ourselves Woodstockers. And being somebody who loves enjoying live music, we just felt stranded out here. There's amazing musicians playing in bars and in the corners and restaurants, Sunday brunch, little jazz trios. But it's not the same as going into a real music venue where the room is designed properly, the 
audio system, the PA is designed properly. You have engineers managing everything that's happening acoustically, lighting designer who's running the lighting show, and you get a full concert experience. It trans it, it transcends the moment and takes you other places. It's a powerful thing that music does. So we felt stranded out here. Uh, and we used to drive in into the perimeter quite a bit, and Mad Life had some inspiration from a number of the in-the-perimeter music venues. But at the end of the day, I felt like, well, if we could make a contribution to music, that would be amazing, and there must be others like me who would like to see a music venue, a proper one, up in these parts. And we chose Woodstock because it was, you could already tell, I mean, things were slowed down a bit, by the original real estate crash of 2008. But sure. the work that Hedgewood Properties had done to get things going in Woodstock was just starting to pick up again, 2013, 2014, when I started looking for the lot. And uh, there was no question. I mean, I, I, we went to Roswell. We went to a number of other towns. And um, beyond the fact that Woodstock was a 10-minute drive from our house, it just seemed like the place where the magic was about to happen. So we wanted to be part of that. Well, and you found out you were right. I mean, there were a lot of people here looking for live music in the right kind of venue. And uh, that's shown over the last five years for sure. Now, Mad Life is a family business, right? It is. Talk a little bit about the other family members you have involved. So my wife, you introduced me as the owner and founder. Founder for sure, but we co-own the business, my wife, Carrie. Okay. My daughter, Lauren, is our general manager, so she runs back office, and also you'll find her on the floor at the front of house once, at least once a week. My son, Jesse, is running our finance, and my daughter, Casey, is a marketing assistant. That's great. I mean, I have a big admiration for family businesses and the fact that you could get that many members of your family involved with that many different talents and skills is amazing and, and is a true admiration. Now, the... I know you're not a guy who shies away from challenges at all. I mean, some people may choose to open up a restaurant. Some people may choose to open up a music venue. Some people may choose to open up a recording studio. You took it all on at once. Talk a little bit about that and why you decided to do that. So it was really an evolution, just thinking my way through it all. Uh, what we really wanted initially was a music studio, but I've got my own studio at home and with technology today, you, you can be a great artist and not need to go pay dollars to be in anybody else's studio. Amazing work is coming out of people's basements and people's garages and people's closets um, just because technology has enabled that. But we wanted to capture some of the magic that can happen with original music. But I knew that wouldn't be a sustainable business. You can see what's happening with a lot of studios um, especially smaller ones, it's difficult. So then we said, well, music venue, and we can record everything that happens, all the shows. Because sometimes that connection that happens between the musicians and the patrons even takes it to another level. And then my wife is to blame. We used to go to Nashville a lot. Um, we still go a couple times a year, not as much as we used to. But every, her thing is, if she's going to go somewhere, there better be food because she needs to eat. She doesn't eat a lot, but she eats often. So she really kind of put her foot down and made the business even more complicated by strongly suggesting that we should consider having a restaurant. Uh, 
I don't know, most of the great music joints that I really enjoyed in Nashville, they were serving chips that came off a clipboard on the wall. But that wasn't going to do. So we decided to just go for it. And the more I thought about it and the more I worked the business plan, it became obvious that having multiple facets, multi-revenue revenue generating facets of the business put you on safer ground because ticket sales might be low one day, but the rest of mine might be making that up. and The opposite might happen the next day. So it definitely added a lot to the task list of putting the business together and quite a bit to the cost of putting the business together. But it, um, in retrospect, I think it's, we struck a good balance. And that wasn't your background, right? No, it's still not. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, restaurant and hospitality, that was kind of a, a new venture for you. The extent of my background is I know what kind of food I like and I know when I've had good service and when I haven't, right? And that actually provides a really good guide. Not that my taste in food is what Mad Life's menu should be, um, but diversity is something I believe in highly in every from every angle of life and uh, great customer service and treating people to a better experience than they can get elsewhere. That's key. That's how you build brand loyalty and customer loyalty and regulars build a community around your business. Well, we were talking about challenges. I mean, even the location you chose on main street had some challenges because of its history, right? Yeah. There was a historic house right on main street, uh, Everybody called it the Booth House. It was built by E.T. Booth, who was, I believe he was one of the mayors of Woodstock around the 40s. He built the house in 1940. Um, he was a very accomplished man, um, pretty pivotal pivotal in the Cherokee County Board of Education. There's sure. even a school named after him. But that was – I had looked – for a lot in Woodstock for about a year. And I had a couple of real estate agents that I'd gone through and uh, finally found one who worked hard to make this lot available for us because it was owned by somebody who really didn't want to sell it. Um, but over time we brought it together and that was a lot that was available. And it was a, a very basic little house, 1500 square feet, but while not on the historic register, not officially protected, everybody, uh, you know, everybody wants progress, but they don't really like change. So seeing a house like that um, potentially disappearing would have been difficult. Uh, we always intended to donate the house to somebody who would do the right things with it. But we learned pretty quickly that it was going to be impossible to get the house off the lot. Uh, primarily because there's close telephone poles on either side of Main Street and it, they were too close the house would have to be cut in half. But right after we bought the lot, I got a call from a gentleman named Smith Johnston. Smith turns out to be E.T. Booth's grandson. He uh, he kissed his first girlfriend under that oak tree I told you about that we made our bars and our steps out of. Smith called me and said, hey, I hear you bought my granddaddy's house. I need that. I need to buy it from you. And I said, well, I have this concept for this thing, music venue. And the great news is everybody on our journey here turns out to be a musician and Smith's a musician. He's like, well, I want to support you on that, but I need that house. So met with him. He got his own movers there. They determined the same thing. Others had told us he couldn't get the house off the lot, but we struck a deal and he actually purchased the back 20% of the lot. The city approved us to sacrifice some parking to save the house. And then Smith moved the house and restored the house. And it now sits right behind Mad Life, right on market street. It's an amazing story. And I mean, one more part of the Mad Life history that 
you had to deal with in bringing this all together. And, you know, when we talk about challenges, I mean, it's no secret that 2020 was a year of challenges because of the COVID pandemic for restaurants, for music venues, for musicians. And let's talk a little bit about the past year and how Mad Life has pivoted and adjusted in such a way that you could still keep that connection with your customers, with your employees, and with your musicians. Right. It was challenging for sure. And last March, uh, we could all see it coming in February. You know, you could feel it everywhere you went. You could just see it. And we were shut down. We closed uh, due to governor's orders March 16th of 2020. We stayed closed for basically 11 weeks. Uh, We could have reopened the restaurant in May, but we decided to wait an extra month because I didn't feel – I just felt it was too early, and I knew a lot of our team members were not comfortable to come back to work yet. But we cautiously reopened the restaurant on our four-year anniversary on June 3rd of 2020. Um, to much limited capacity, about 40% normal capacity. But Mad Life benefits from a really pleasant outdoor patio. It's undercover. We can actually, it's louvered roof system, so it can be in the sun one moment, in the shade another. We have a stage out there, nice PA, stage lighting, and we knew a lot of musicians that were just eager to be back playing again. So my wife, who does our booking, Carrie, she got to work and started booking every local musician she could back to play on our patio. And that was really the anchor that helped us to reopen to tremendous community support. So even though we were at really limited capacity on both the patio and the restaurant, um, we were able to pack out that capacity, everybody six feet apart. Well, all the parties six feet apart. And that started in June in middle of July, we were able to reopen our music venue That was reopened at 40% capacity, so a room that would normally hold 250 people was maxing out at 100. We were able to reopen it, but not everybody was comfortable to sit indoors yet, and that's understandable. So we were not selling out at that point. But over time, every month that went by, more and more people got comfortable. We were able to improve our communication so um, our patrons could see the steps we were taking for social distancing as well as for sanitization, looking after our team, looking after the musicians, looking after the patrons. And we've been able to work our way through the pandemic um, to where we are now, which you know I think we're on the, the doorstep to much better times. Well, and you've mentioned that you have a couple of different performance spaces. You have the inside venue and then you have the patio. Let's Let's talk a little bit more about those and the differences between them as far as the feel of them, the types of acts you bring into them, and just how those how those two different spaces operate. Sure. Well, they're both great spaces, and no matter what kind of music you enjoy, we book diversity in both those spaces. Um, the venue, though, that's it's a large room. It'll seat up to 180 people, and you can stand another 70. Not today we can't, but right. eventually, <laughs> maybe one day again. Um, but there's a full staff. We have four engineers, usually two interns, engineering interns in there running the production. It's it's a fully equipped facility with live capture of everything that happens there. Both we're, we're, we're capturing all the music in a full Pro Tool session. 
It might be four channels if we have an acoustic songwriter up on stage, or we might be capturing 40 channels if it's a full band um, and a full lighting rig, So we're as well as video capture. So there's a lot going on in there, and it's a big infrastructure to support. So what happens in the venue needs to be performances where um, people are happy to pay a pretty stout ticket price. So that's one that's one thing. And then in the booking there reflects that right? mm-hmm. to keep that venue operational. We have to make sure we're bringing in artists and acts, whether it's comedy or music that people want to see. And what we realized over time is that people really enjoy, especially when you're asking them to put money on the table to come through the door, things that are familiar, at least the demographic around Woodstock does. So we do a fair amount of tribute bands, especially on the weekends. Uh, Some of the tribute artists are amazing, uh, not just in their ability to to cover music by legendary bands that we all grew up with listening to, but also just phenomenal musicians in their own right. Um, But we always try to mix in original musicians as well. But we need to know that those musicians, there's a demand for what they do. And that demand and our experience comes from familiarity. If people can see we're promoting a show and they can see from the description, they understand, they can feel it in their head and their heart and their ears what that night's going to be about, they won't hesitate. They'll invest in a ticket for them and their wife or maybe their friends and they'll go to the venue. So that's what happens in the venue. And we still, uh, Wednesdays, we contribute Wednesday nights. We dedicate those really to local original artists. Thursday nights, sometimes it's comedies, sometimes it's local original artists. We're starting a new series called The Young Writers. Um, and then Fridays and Saturdays, it may be a big band. We had Molly Hatchet in a couple weeks ago. Um, we actually had Blackberry Smoke in on a Sunday, or it may be a tribute. But whatever happens on the weekends really needs to be something that we're sure is going to have strong ticket demand. Now, the patio is a completely different opportunity because – it's right on Main Street. The patio has a great vibe. Main Street Woodstock just has an amazing vibe. There's always people wandering around. And as long as we book great musicians out there, they don't have to be familiar to people. Music and talent just attract attention. So Carrie is able to really dedicate that patio to dozens and dozens of local and regional musicians. We have folks driving down from Nashville to play on that patio now. Um who just want exposure in this area and just want to play for other people. So uh, every week, Carrie books about 20 different artists and slash bands. Sometimes it's a dude on a guitar or a lady on a guitar. Other times it's a full six piece band on the patio stage. And then we're also booking six major shows a week in the venue as well. So about 26 artists slash bands are performing at Mad Life almost every single week. That is amazing. That is just it's, amazing. It is fun. I'll tell you. You know, we we actually have a new sign that we're having printed. We're going to hang it over the um, the header, the entrance to our patio, which just says music lives here. And it's really, uh, that's that, that was kind of something that we envisioned from day one. We wanted to almost create an incubator, incubator for music and community and all that positive energy that can come from music to come together. And we really do believe that Mad Life's purpose, not just in Woodstock, but but as a business, is to cultivate music 
and support musicians. Well, let's talk about that because I know, you know, it's Mad Life's reputation. I know it's your personal commitment to take emerging artists who have great talent, but just haven't had the visibility, haven't had a chance to build their following and give them an opportunity to do that. And so you have a number of different ways that those artists can expand their audience and expand their following through Mad Life, correct? Sure. And, and so how does that work? Well, it, from a performance standpoint, uh, we have on the patio, we have two open mics a week now. So we have a Wednesday night open mic. Musicians get to come up there. They have to register. It has to be, they have to get on the list. Uh, we work with an amazing musician named Greg Shaddix. Uh, he basically is like a, a full-time part-timer at Mad Life because he's either on one of our stages or organizing shows around the open mics for us pretty consistently. So Wednesday night open mics, Greg will normally bring in 12 uh, local or regional musicians, generally all original, and they each get the patio stage for 15 minutes. Those nights, if the weather cooperates, the patio is as packed as we're allowed to be. Um, And those are really beautiful nights because you have an opportunity to hear so much diversity in style and genre and talent. And what's also interesting is that you get a sense of the journey people start taking when they discover they have an interest in music. You don't necessarily have to have phenomenal technical skills with an instrument or even your voice to convey an energy when you're performing on stage, right? It's you, we all know when you're watching a fully committed musician. And that's what's really wonderful about those those nights. So that's that's Wednesday open mic. Thursday, uh, every, I'm sorry, that's Tuesday are those open mics. They were Wednesday in the winter. They're Tuesday in the spring and summer. So Wednesday nights we call extended set open mics. So those would be the uh, open mic performers who are a bit more accomplished, more prolific in their songwriting, and they get half hour sets. Uh, and then, of course, there's just other patio bookings. So what happens is we'll get introduced to new artists oftentimes through those open mics. And if something about them, their music, their commitment, their story uh, makes us feel really good, that's what music should be about. Uh, And we feel like there's an opportunity to help them to share what they have with more people, then we'll give them their own patio session, their own patio show. may just start with one. That could turn into something where we bring them back once a month. And as they start to accumulate fans through their exposure on our patio, we try to then elevate them to their own show in the venue. And that could be a Wednesday night show or it might be one of the Thursday night shows. It might be an opener for one of our Friday or Saturday night shows. There's all kinds of angles there. But at the same time, all through it all, once they get into the venue, we're recording their performances in pristine Pro Tools and with five HD cameras and our recording system is um, pretty sophisticated. It can be the whole thing, five cameras, the whole Pro Tool system can be operated by just two engineers. But now that allows us to produce demo content for them, which they can then use to go and get other gigs outside of Mad Life, outside of Woodstock, outside of Georgia, and just help them grow. That's an incredible story. I mean, the way that that progression can happen in-house with you of going from open mic to really being on the main stage. And 
you've had a number of success stories of artists that have done that, correct? Yeah, we have. Um, and there are, I believe, a lot more coming. There's some so much spectacular talent in this area. Well, let's talk about that because, I mean, you're in kind of a unique position with your connection with the music community and with the artists themselves. What are, what are you seeing happening right now um, as far as the music community in Woodstock and Cherokee County in North Georgia? What do you see happening right now? Well, I have to admit, you know, my vision is pretty limited because I spend so much time at Mad Life. Um, I do have connections with other venue owners in in and around Atlanta. Uh, there's been a lot of those connections really strengthened through the pandemic. It's still difficult on most venue owners, especially if you're inside of the perimeter. It'll loosen up, um, but we, you know, we're we're fortunate that we live in a state and a county where we were allowed to operate, even though it limited capacity. Well, it seems like in the area just, you know, in the area we're talking about, the variety of artists, the the musical variety, the genres that people are performing in right now, it's very diversified. Yes, for sure. Come to one of our open mics and you'll you'll experience that firsthand. And the quality is high. I mean... You know, you've seen groups that have come in, had very little reputation, very little visibility, and through patio performances, they really grew a following, and they had people looking for them the next time they were going to play there. Yeah, so I can, if you want me to mention a couple sure. of them. So there's a small band that comes down from Chattanooga to play here at Mad Life, Mother Legacy, three-piece band. Uh, and they're astonishing in in how powerful their performances are. Uh, there's another band. They also come down out of Chattanooga. They're called the Mixin' Boys. And they are kind of a combination of the Soggy Bottom Boys from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Remember that? Sure. <laughs> that makeshift band. Combination of that, a little bit of the Black Crows and a little bit of the band. But most of what they play on our patio is original music. They'll put throw some covers in because covers make people happy as well. But they're just amazing to watch. And, and it's driven, that band, I mean, they're all talented, but they have a front man who always comes in overdressed. He wears a black slacks and a black vest. He's always got the perfectly trimmed beard. And he's the drummer. He's the harp player. He, but all eyes are on him the whole show. Is that right? They built up a huge following, and they actually have, I think it's in June, they're going to be uh, playing a, I believe it's a Saturday night in the main venue because they built up such a good following. Them mixing boys. That's great. And I guess we ought to mention, if if you want to know about upcoming shows at Mad Life, where can people look? So the easiest place is to pull up your browser and go to madlifestageandstudios.com. We're also always visible on Facebook and Instagram, but our full calendar is on Mad Life Stage and Studios. And you can also see our entire calendar with all the details on Eventbrite as well. And that includes both the main venue as well as the patio. Yes. we um, When we were re- able, able to reopen back in June, all the patio events are now listed on our calendar of events as well. 
with details as to who's performing every day. On Saturdays, we'll have four different patio performers. On Sunday, we'll have three. So you can see there a list of who their performers are and their bio and little stories about them and get a sense of what that day might be like. Well, the other thing I'll mention as a customer and patron of Mad Life is that uh, on the website, you can join the email list and get regular emails. And I know I get emails almost every week about new shows that are added. And so I'd let you get a little bit ahead of the schedule too, as far as shows that are being added where you can hear about those right away. And that's actually a really good point because every Sunday we send out a just announced and hot shows email. That's where you'll see the shows that have just been added to our calendar. Some of those shows may be a month out. Some of those shows may be four months out, but a lot of our shows in the venue sell out pretty much everything right now is selling out because we're at more limited capacity. Uh, and there's, and we've talked about the amazing talent. It's not a good idea to wait till the day of show to buy, try to buy tickets at Mad Life, especially right now. So, yeah, go ahead and join our mailing list, and you'll be included in those just announced and hot shows coming to Mad Life emails every Sunday. And as you said, with reduced capacity right now, although the shows always sell out quick, but they're even selling out quicker now because of reduced capacity. And, you know, let me just say from, you know, my visits to Mad Life, as well as my conversations with my musician friends, there is so much energy right now in a live venue because the musicians are so happy to be playing live again instead of streaming, instead of doing some of the other things they had to do with the restrictions, that there's, there's always energy, but there's even an increased energy right now. And I'm sure you're seeing it happening in, in the performance spaces you have. It's spectacular. I mean, imagine the first show we had where we had gone from a 250 capacity down to just under 100. Tables are spread out. The room feels a little sparse. The lights go down. Band takes stage. PA's cranking. Our lighting director is, you know, making magic on stage with lighting instruments. And suddenly it's there. Whether there was 250 people or 100 people, that energy is back. And there's no doubt um, – People really want things to get back to the way they were, and a night at Mad Life gives us all the sense that that's still possible. Well, thank you for that. Now, as we said, there's a lot of facets to Mad Life, and I don't want to leave any of them out here. We've talked about the music side. Let's talk about the restaurant. Let's talk about the grill a little bit. Sure. I know that your kitchen manager, Connors, takes a lot of pride in the menu and a lot of pride in the quality of food. Let's talk a little bit about the menu in the restaurant. Sure. Uh, well, I mentioned earlier, I know what I like, and uh, some of that's on our menu, but I don't, I don't direct the menu. I really, we leave it to our kitchen team, uh, not just Connors, but he's got a phenomenal staff. Sure. Sharif Allen um, is his co-kitchen manager. Um, we, the, the team is great, and they all have a lot of history cooking, and they all have some really special recipes. So... Our menu is really comprised of the best of what they all want to bring in. And every week we have specials. Those specials might have come from a line cook or they might have come from a kitchen manager. Or they might, might have come from our fry guy. Um, but it really doesn't matter. We run the specials. We see what works, what people like, and that goes on the slate for the next menu update. And sometimes they even come from an old family recipe, right? Usually it's grandma's recipe, right? <laughs> so our chicken on a uh, brunch, we serve this cathead biscuit with fried chicken. 
oh my Lord, it's something special. And when you see it come out on the plate, you know Grandma had to have invented that. Our our food is kind of got a southern inspiration to it. Uh, we do we smoke all our own meats in house. We bake all of our own breads in house. Uh, it's really a scratch kitchen, but it's we're not a barbecue place. It's there's more diversity in our menu than a barbecue place might have, or than just a southern kitchen might have. And the specials really bring out um, some unusual aspects. We've been known to serve rabbit before. Really? Yes. Not super popular in Woodstock, by the way. <laughs> and we should mention that the food is available during the shows. Yes, we serve on the patio, we serve in the restaurant, and we also serve in the music venue. Our kitchen closes uh, basically 30 minutes after the – if there's two shows in night, the kitchen closes 30 minutes after the late show starts. Late okay. show normally starts at 10 o'clock on Fridays and Saturdays, so the kitchen will wrap things up around 1030. So the last piece we haven't talked about yet is the studio. And, you know, I think a lot of people outside of the music community may not realize that you have a state-of-the-art studio over at Mad Life that is available for bookings and is available for people to use. And talk a little bit about what types of uses that gets. Why do people use that studio? Well... As I, as I started out saying, you know, the original vision I had was, yeah, it'd be great to have a studio and produce some really special music, support some, some musicians that have good ideas and great stuff happening. But I wasn't sure that would be able to generate enough revenue to, to be sustainable. Um, so what drives a studio, what allows that studio to exist, first and foremost, is our ability. We're hosting six shows a week in the venue some of those shows have multiple comedians. Some of those shows may have an opening band as well as a headliner. So we capture those shows and we give the bands the opportunity to basically purchase what we've captured. We can do the editing for them. We can do mixing. We can do mastering. We can do any level of post-production they want. Or sometimes they just want their all files and we hand them a 500 gigabyte drive with all their files. Truly, we digitally deliver them now, but that's what drives the majority of our studio business. Now we are starting to have a lot more demand for session work. We've had full orchestras in there, 35 piece orchestra. Some really? of them were in the main venue and we had the strings in the uh, tracking room. We have a smaller tracking room. We can record like up to 48 instruments at a time, including vocals. We've recorded driving and crying. They shot their, they did a live performance and recorded their live album for the most recent album. At Mad Life, that was right before the pandemic hit. Um, our challenge with the studio is that our venue is so busy. Shows Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, or two on Friday night, two on Saturday, occasionally on Sundays, that for bigger session work, we just don't have the availability. If somebody wants to come in and do a lockout for a week, we can't offer that out of our current studio because the facility is used in other ways. So we end up doing other session work on Sundays and on Mondays and on Tuesdays and maybe on Wednesday until 3 o'clock. But a lot of that has now been – we bring in some bigger bands, but a lot of it is local artists – who have experienced what the quality of what we can capture when they've performed on our stage, either through an open mic or some other opening for somebody, or maybe even headlining. 
and they want to come in and produce something far more refined. So I'd say that's the bulk of the the additional production work that we do in our studios beyond capturing the live shows are working with local and regional artists who now want to take their materials to the next level. Well, and the sound at Mad Life is incredible. I mean, the equipment and also the talent you have behind the boards is pretty incredible too. I know uh, Stephen is your chief studio engineer. Is that right? Stephen Marson's our chief studio engineer. Yeah. And I mean, you know, here's a guy who's been Grammy nominated. He's worked with uh, Sugarland. He's worked with Pearl Jam. He's worked with Usher, Springsteen. I mean, pretty impressive resume. Pretty impressive resume. And I'm not exaggerating when I tell you he has now recorded about 1,500 live shows at Mad Life. On top of all that, since he joined Mad Life. So imagine the depth. You know the 10,000-hour rule? Mm-hmm. Where once you've done anything for 10,000 hours, you become expert at it. Stephen is long past that 10,000 hours. He's He's got remarkable ears and skills with the equipment and is able to just produce uh, really powerful, really powerful work out of, it's a small studio. You know, we don't have any super expensive mics. We don't have a $50,000 Neve board. But we have the right gear for the purpose. And, you know, equipment is just equipment. It can't do anything without talented operators. And we're fortunate because we have Steven in the studio capturing all that. We have uh, Jimmy Joe Beecham running our main house sound in the venue. And he's another guy. He's been doing live sound for, for venue performances for like 35 years. Thousands of shows under his belt. There's nothing he hasn't seen, nothing he hasn't heard. Uh, we have Brendan Rosenbaum. And he's running our, he's our lighting director, remarkably talented guy. And then uh, Mason is head of our video systems as well. Well, you know, and and I'll say, I mean, you've built an incredible team of people at Mad Life. And, you know, just as, as a customer coming in, I mean, the, every employee I've ever encountered there has, I mean, they're all about customer service. They seem happy to be there. It seems like they know they're part of something pretty special. And uh, it's just a great team. And, and that's to your credit and the leadership team's credit as far as the culture that you've built even among the internal team. Well, I appreciate all those awesome comments. Um, I really am grateful that we've attracted that team. I I think, though, that the business, music makes people happy, right? And people want to be associated with with things that make them happy. And if you can find a job that makes you happy, then you're really fortunate in life. So, um, yeah, we're, I'm grateful that we have such a great team, and I look forward to us continuing to do as much as we can to do even more together in the future. Well, let's talk about that. What do you see in the future for Mad Life? Well, that's a tough question. Um, I'd say before COVID hit, I had some pretty clear plans about what we wanted to do. And um, I was moving pretty quickly to get some things lined up. But I'd say three months off from Mad Life, I still had my other job rolling at the time. Um, 
But three months off from my life gave me some time to really think about it. And, you know, the options are that you can try to grow big, try to spread out, go to other cities, go to other states. And we've certainly had those opportunities. And that was probably the direction I was heading pre-pandemic. But now I've... I want to do more in Woodstock. I want to try to help the local community even more. Uh, we've just been so – I'm grateful to Woodstock, fortunate to be in Woodstock. I see the direction Woodstock is heading. I can see what the other business owners are investing in Woodstock, and I know what our commitment is. And I think there's more we can do here to really support the musical community in a bigger way. Um, so – we got some ideas, and like all things, it'll take some time for those to flush out. But I'd say for the short term, the next two to three years, our focus is probably going to be on expanding what we do in Woodstock. Well, we appreciate that. All of us here in Woodstock appreciate that. And we wish you and your entire Mad Life team continued success. Hopefully, a quick return to full capacity here within the next uh, few months. But thanks for bringing great music, great food, and a new excitement to Woodstock. And as well as giving the artist a place where they can really display their talent and build their audience. And thanks for spending some time with us here today. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you as well. If, if you haven't been to Mad Life, you're missing out. You got to go. Those tickets go fast. And it's something you just have to experience. If you've been to Mad Life, I know you're raring to get back again. And again, if people want to know about the upcoming lineup and the latest news on Mad Life, the website again is www.madlifestageandstudios.com. Thank you, Mike. And thank you for listening to Woodstock Proud. Until next time, this is Jim Bulger saying take good care of yourself, stay safe. And we will talk with you again real soon.